Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Chris Heller. He is the author of Dominant Thoughts, Things Grow Where Our Minds Go. Chris, great to have you with us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm always excited to, to talk about fun stuff. Well, first off, congratulations on the book. This is the first book that you've written together with Greg S. Reed. Is that right? Yes, it is. Great. And we, we've had him on the show. I mean, I think I read he, he's published over more than 100 books, I think about 120. So this is a guy to partner up with. Tell us about this partnership and how the book came about, Chris. Um, that, well, that's exactly how it came about. We, uh, Greg and I were on a podcast about a year ago. We were two guests on a podcast. And near the end, the host said, Chris, when are you going to write a book? You know, you've, you've, you've done all these things and have great things to say. And I said, you know, I thought about it, but I'd probably have to pick Greg's brain on how to do it because he's he's the pro. And so a day or two later, um, Greg called me and said, "Okay, I've been sitting on a on a title and a URL, and if you have the content, I can show you how to do it, and uh, we'll partner up, and I'll uh, I have all the connections to to help." So that was that's all it took. It was just that him that idea and that connection that turned this into reality. Right. So one podcast changes your life, <laughs> as they say. Change my author life for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just to be clear, so this is the book, first book you've written then as well. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I love talking to first time authors because for anyone watching who's considering taking the leap, tell us what that process is like. I know you had Greg sort of guiding you and mentoring you, but, but from your perspective, tell us about the process. Yeah. I was, um, I was really fortunate to have someone like Greg you know, mentoring me because he has done it so many times. And, you know, there's, for some of us, or I'll speak for myself, you know, I have a, a tendency to want to do things like really well and, and spend too much time on things that aren't that important. And Greg would say, Hey, no, just keep, keep going, keep going. It'll, it'll be good. Um, and so it was, is super helpful, super useful. At the same time, it was, um, you know, I, I this is, I'm not retired and this isn't the only thing I had going on. So it took, it took much longer than I wanted to, or even thought it would. Um, but that's just the reality of, of life and, and, and other obligations that, that took over. But I was, I was determined. We started the process in beginning of 2021. I was determined to have it done by the end of the year. So I, I think I, we finished on December 30th. So. Um, amazing. Well, it, it's good to set a goal and, <laughs> and and make it happen, as they say, which is really what the whole book is about in a nutshell. Um, so just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, put, put the, the, the book into your own words, Chris, because when you read the title, Dominant Thoughts, Things Grow Where Our Minds Go, it's not necessarily clear where the book is going. That's <laughs> uh, not. And and if you were to read the book and then the title, you, you know, you may not correlate the two. Although we do talk about dominant thoughts multiple times throughout the story, it's yeah. it's a business parable. And when I was younger, um, I had some really strong mentors, and I also had um, I, I was very 
eager to learn. I read a lot of books and some of the books early on that had the biggest impact for me were these type of stories, you know, the, the richest man in Babylon, the, the greatest salesman in the world by Augmenti, you know, and, and a bunch of those type of books. And then later on books like, you know, who moved my cheese and, and, and those type of business uh, parables. Um, so I knew that, you know, for a, a book like this, that I wanted to sort of follow that format. And that's, that's what we did. It's a story of, of, there's really only for the most part, two characters in the book, a, a successful business owner or who uh, just sold his business and, and the young, the young person he gets introduced to that he ends up mentoring and takes that person through, um, through a lot of growth and development. And each chapter really has a theme that we've woven into the story uh, of the, the dominant thought that we wanted to, the, the readers to to learn from in that chapter. Sure, and it, it's woven together um, so nicely because each chapter really connects to to the next because it is a story from start to finish. I was curious as I was going through the book, Chris, is this um, is this? I assume this is based upon personal experience, um, or is this the parable you always wish you would have experienced in your head as you read no, these books um, that you that you just mentioned? <laughs> so, all of the all of the thoughts and ideas and the in the content. Um, of those those lessons and those ideas are are yes very personal and were were things that I either were taught or learned or or um, you know were showed by mentors. The the storyline itself is 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 fictional. Um, I didn't I didn't sell a, a company for three hundred fifty million dollars and um, and then meet this young person who. Who um, I mentored. I, there are there are very there's several people that I have mentored and um, and I've used some of these same thoughts and ideas and in conversations with them. But yeah, the the lessons and all the ideas are things that I've used in my life to achieve some of the things that I've been able to achieve. Yeah. So I mean, so it is autobiographical in a sense, uh, as you might say. Um, there are some things that that sort of stuck out to me in the beginning, you know. So it's about these two characters you mentioned, Nick and John. John is the mentor, and Nick is is upcoming, looking for advice. Curious is the specific, you know. It keeps you engaged because in the beginning you talk about the first meeting where the assignment is. I, I believe it was bring a rabbit and, and a gift card, and just so random. And and we 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 read through. Um, Nick's perspective about this rabbit idea. So things like that, did that really happen to you? Or tell us about the genesis of these types of anecdotes. No, those were just like ideas of, um, you know, to help get the points across, right? So for each chapter, I had, I started with like two or three paragraphs of just the the lessons. Like here's the here's the theme for this chapter. Here's the lesson for this chapter. And then it was, okay, how do we, how do we, how do we weave that into a story um, to get those points across to where it, it it flowed and it wasn't like trying to cram something together or piecemeal it together where it, um, it didn't and I and I think it I think it came out I think right. I think right. it came out pretty well that way yeah no it's great I um couple things I want to talk about your background in a moment but before we get there tell us um who is this book for who is this book for who's the target audience in your mind who did you write it for yeah, so I have four kids between the ages of, of 20, almost 22, and 31. Wow. And um, boy, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I wrote it for, for that age group. Um, now, that being said, I've already had a lot of 
a lot of feedback, a lot of friends, a lot of people I don't know that have read it at, at all different ages that have gotten a lot of value because even if it's things that they may have known or, or know, it's, it's a good reminder. And, it's, and sometimes we hear things in a different way that, that makes it click. So I think anyone in business, any entrepreneurs, anyone in sales leadership will get value out of the book. And they do get value out of the book. But for, for someone who's just starting out, I think it can be really impactful. And that's, yeah. that, was the, that was my goal. C-Suite Radio. Yeah, I would say it's applicable to everybody you mentioned, just, you know, wherever you are in the business, in your life cycle in terms of business, but particularly this seems to be catering towards up and coming um, entrepreneurs. Um, You know, certain things really stuck out. I feel like as you're reading it, you think to yourself, oh, these are things I know, but but not in the way you spin them. Um, There's a chapter called Don't Be Attached to the Outcome. And you read that, you're right, well, that makes sense. But then it's very insightful because because you talk about being committed to the outcome, but not attached. And you say, it's commitment that keeps you in control of your thoughts, Nick. This is a a part of the conversation. So it's commitment that keeps you in control of your thoughts, Nick. On the other hand, it's attachment that lets your thoughts control your outcome. I thought that was very insightful. Can you tell us a little bit more about this idea of commitment versus attachment and and your real life experience with it? Yeah, so I, I think that it became really clear for me early in my career. In so I, I was uh, one of the top real estate agents in the, in the country, and I was selling lots of homes. And in, in almost every transaction, there's another agent involved. And during the negotiation process, or well, there are two times where I really noticed this. It would be during the negotiation process. The other would be if something happened, something bad happened. Um, so during the negotiation process, by me being committed to either getting my client the house or getting them the most money for their house, but not being attached, not being emotionally involved, um, I was able to, to, to negotiate much more effectively. And the agents that were attached, that were holding on so tight or were thinking about how they're gonna make their next mortgage payment or anything else, would inevitably do things that weren't in their client's best interest. The other area where it became really obvious to me was uh, every agent's experienced a transaction that, that fell apart or that went bad or that canceled. And that's a really hard thing because the buyers and the sellers are emotionally involved and, and it can really mess up someone's plans for making a move or acquiring the house that they fell in love with. And it's, a, it's you know, as the, as the messenger, sometimes you're the one delivering that, that horrible news. I would see agents lose a transaction and some, and it would ruin them for weeks. You know, they, they just would be out of the game. You know, it'd be, Hey, what happened to Taryn? I don't know. She had a deal fall out and I haven't seen her in three weeks. Um, and, and I couldn't afford to do that. You know, I had to, I had to be ready, you know, that day to keep going. So focusing on being committed to getting the, what's best for my client committing, committed to getting the job done but not being attached to whatever the outcome is, because there's certain things that we just don't have any control over. But when we get attached, again, there's that, you feel it in your stomach, you, it really, it, it, it impacts you emotionally and it, it impacts how you think and, and the actions that you take sometimes or don't take. Yeah, so, so give us some, some nuggets. How, how do you avoid that? How do you curtail that emotional attachment? Because especially in a, in a lot of work like real estate, it seems like it's all about personal connections and building that relationship. So how, how do you separate that, uh, Chris? Because I don't think that's an easy thing to do. 
Yeah. So I, you know, I think about doctors a lot, you know, uh, doctors are, are, I look at the reason they became doc doctors, they want to help people, right? And they're sure. committed to helping someone. But if they were attached to every patient and to every outcome <clears throat> and to every result, uh, I can't even imagine. They, they, within months, they'd burn out. Um, so for me, it was number one, start with awareness. Okay, do, am, I, am I feeling attached to this? Like, am I getting emotional about this? Or am I, am I being committed to solutions and, and thinking about, okay, what do I need to do to, to get the outcome that we want versus, you know, getting emotional about it? So one was just keeping my emotions in, in, in check or in line. Uh, one of my early mentors said, Lee, don't, you know, keep your emotions between these lines. Don't go too high. Don't go too low. Um, and, you know, really what that meant to me was, you know, stay, stay in a place where you can be in control and um, and as as poised and and ready to make the right decisions as possible versus you know all over the place. So one, the first thing is just awareness, like being aware when you are attached um, to it. Another place we see this all the time is right is in relationships, um, especially new relationships. Uh, so the other the other thing after the awareness is you know really coming from wanting the best possible outcome for, for everyone involved and, and knowing that I, there's things that I just can't control, but everything I can control, I'm going to do the very best, the best that can be done, the best that I can do to, to get that outcome. And, yeah. and then the other, the other piece of it was the ability to move on quickly when something doesn't happen or something doesn't happen in, in with the right outcome or the, what you, what we want. Um, I had a, I'm, I'm chuckling because it's, it's kind of funny, but kind of, a little bit embarrassing too. So I had a rule, I had a three minute rule and, and the people that worked for me knew that if there was if something bad happened, I would give myself three minutes to be upset about it. And, and then it was next. And, and I think where that came from too is I'm, I'm a big sports fan, like a lot of people. And, you know, here we are in baseball season if a batter goes up to the plate and strikes out, which is not the outcome he wanted or was committed to, um, at his next at bat, if he's dwelling on the last at bat and the results of the last at bat, you can pretty much guarantee that he's not gonna have good results in the next at bat. Um, you, know, you have to be able to learn from whatever happened then move forward. And you know, so those are, the, those are the ways that helped me become you know, committed, but not attached to, to the outcomes that we were trying to get. C-Suite Radio. Yeah, I think the sports analogy hits home and how we can relate it to all of us who are not professional athletes. I'm a big tennis fan and you wonder how, you know, you can be, you can be two sets down and you need three to win the match. And then you come back and it's a five setter and you win and you look at, you look at the strength. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of what you just said in, in, in a nutshell, because it's really about separating and moving forward. But I think a lot of people have a hard time doing that. Do you think that's the biggest mistake people make in business? Is this emotional attachment versus commitment or is it discipline or some of the other, you know, tenets you talk about in the book? Yeah, so it's it's certainly all of them. It's one of the bigger ones. I, I don't think we could say it's the biggest, but certainly one of the bigger ones because it's yeah. it's it's something that not only affects you and your ability to perform and your health and your stress levels and all those things, but also that everyone around you, 
you know, whether it's the clients, your team members, your teammates, um, you know, you, again, you see this in, in team sports all the time. Like a, a player will, will make a, a, a terrible error or bad mistake and the teammates go over to him, you know, and he might be sitting there with his head down. They're not saying, how did you do that? Or why did you do that? They're saying, Hey, we need you come back, get back in, you know, don't forget about it. It's over. We'll make it up. Let's go. Um, and that's, that's, you know, the place that we want to be able to, to be at the, as, as much as possible and perform at. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mistake that a lot of people make, and especially hey, early in your career, it's hard not to be attached because you're, you know, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, to, to make a go of it, whatever it is you're doing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's more normal to be attached than not. So, but yeah. if you can learn that lesson early on, yeah, you'll be better off. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's all about life experience, I think. And that, and that's what this book sums up curious from your perspective. I mean, as you're writing the book, are these all the things, Chris, that you wish you would have known when you were younger and starting out, as you said, it kind of, it, it, it's written for, for mostly for those starting out. Are these, are these about the mistakes you made? Um, Oh, sure. I, I'm sure I made every, every mistake that could be made that was, you know, that those lessons relate to, and then thousands of others. Um, <laughs> you know, I started, um, I started keeping a list. In fact, when Greg called me and said, Hey, I have, I have the, an idea and a title, but you have to have the content. Do you have the content? I said, I actually do. I actually have a list. And I had, I've, I've had a list forever called, I just called it my rules for living. And these lessons were, were some of those rules. Uh, and those are those, yeah, sometimes they come out of mistakes. You know, they're born from, you go, wow, I don't, I don't want that to happen again, or I don't want to feel that way again, or I don't want to deal with that again. And so you learn from them that way. Others are things that you, you're witness, things that you're taught, things that you, that you're a part of, and you go, okay, this is, there's got to be a, a, a better way to, to do, to do these things or to, to have results. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, I mean, as I read it, I thought to myself, you know, these must be, you know, these must be the thoughts and the actions of a, of a, a long career and kind of, um, you know, what you've learned where you are now compared to when, to when you started, um, you know, that you tease on, on the book cover, you talk about, you know, the one strategy proven to wow clients and increase loyalty and retain you talk about the single most important principle to consider when making any decision. Did it take you a while to get those answers? I mean, is, is that what your journey is all about? I mean, um, and, why, and why give them up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the reason to give them up is, is to help other people. I, you know, yeah. I mentioned some books that I read in my early on that, you know, made a profound difference in, 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 in my life. And so gosh, being able to produce something or create something that might have that, that impact is, uh, is in, in, in my, in my mind, a, a very cool thing. Um, here's the thing. Everyone has access to, to all the information they need to be successful. Um, I used to realize this when I, I would go to a seminar, a real estate seminar by a real estate trainer, and I would be in a room with all the other real estate agents, a lot of them from my same marketplace. And I, and early on, I would get angry, like, gosh, darn it. Everyone's hearing this. Everyone's going to do the same things. It's going to make it harder for me. And what I realized is very few people would actually take the information and then implement it or stick with it or, or, 
develop the habits and the discipline to actually, you know, uh, implement the things that they need to and do it consistently and, and being persistent when they do it. So, you know, the information's out there. Everyone has access to it. You know, it's the person who takes that information and then uses it and, and uses it not just, oh, I'm going to see if that works. And if it doesn't work in two or three weeks or two or three months, I'm going to do something else. It's the ones that go, okay, this makes sense. I get it. And now I'm going to figure out how to make it me and, 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 you know, make it, make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and final, final thought, Chris, cause we are out of time. I'm curious when you look at your, your, uh, you know, your journey, you know, your, your real estate icon, um, what's the one thing you would have done differently looking back if you could have, or, or is there nothing that you would have changed because you think there's value in everything you've experienced? You know, you asked about it earlier too. I, I failed multiple times every day, whether it was as an agent or as the CEO of the largest real estate company in the world. Um, but every one of those failures were a great learning opportunity. And they propelled me forward because I made sure that I failed forward. And then I became more mindful of just failing fast. Like if we're going to fail, let's do it. Let's do it fast. Let's do it. And then keep going and keep growing. Um, and you're not, uh, I know I wasn't growing if, if I wasn't pushing that hard to where I was falling down. And so uh, looking back, there's, boy, you know, pick a date and I could tell you the things I'd probably want to do over or do better. Um, but I don't, but none of them, none of them occur as regrets because every one of them helped make me who I am now and help prepare me for the, the next chapter. Uh, I think, I think some of the common things, you know, like early on lack of business maturity, too big of an ego, uh, not a great leader or didn't understand the value of, of being a great leader and a mentor early on. Those are things that, um, you know, I just chalk it up to, to, to my, my ignorance at the time or at the stage that I was at. But those are things that, you know, it's, you, you, no one has to make those mistakes um, just because some of us did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the book's terrific. It's so insightful. There's so many, you know, lessons to be learned no matter where you are, you know, in your journey, um, you know, professionally or, or personally, um, another book to come after this experience, Chris, maybe fail fast is the next title. I like that. I thought that was catchy. Yeah. I'll have to reserve that one right now. Um, I'm sure there will be, you know, I, I, as soon as this one was finished, I thought I could have done this one better. I need to, <laughs> I want to go, I want to do it over again right now. Um, but I, um, I'm pleased with, with how it came out and, and yes, there'll, there'll be another one, nothing, nothing in the plans right now. Cause this one just came out. So yeah, it was a great experience to learn. Now I know what, what to expect and what it's like. Well, we look forward to what's to come and thank you so much and, and good luck with this book and, and many others, as they say. Thank you very much. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website. It's csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard? Visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.